1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. They're one of the greatest objects of them all. I, I you know, I place a Tamiya motorcar up there with a real motorcar with a great wristwatch.
2: With... The, the one thing they probably missed with all of it is that the car they launched looks bloody brilliant. Who writes this shit and how dare they not support
1: such a special car? with some worthwhile press words and photographs. This is utter shite. Hello, and welcome to the Collecting Addicts podcast. Episode number, cue drum roll, 52. We're calling it a one year anniversary because we love an anniversary on this podcast. I need to warn you that I'm pulling up the claggy remnants of Monster Munch from my teeth. Why is it when they get compacted, they get in your teeth? You can't get them out. You could build a house with that material. But first
2: <laughs> what, of all, what what flavor did you have? Pickled onion, of course.
1: Pickled there onion, is it's the only one. Of um,
3: <laughs> we're going to talk. Can you about imagine it? if you did actually build a house with pickled onion Monster Munch? You just got hungry, just lick your walls, wouldn't you? And
1: then well,
2: get spit.
1: <laughs> this is the That's best question the best digression we've ever had on the podcast before we even started, we're talking about building a house <laughs> with, with with food substances. I, I'll raise you... Cold wheatabix, wheatabix that's got wet and then been gone cold again. You can make a Formula One car that is stronger yeah. than carbon fiber. <laughs> so no it's doubt you, about
4: that. Yeah, it's it's got weight to strength ratio is better than auto carbon fiber. It's yeah, beat fact-
1: only beaten only by a heavily beaten mashed potato in a pan that's been there for a day. You can make a space shuttle out of that. That mm-hmm. can handle, excuse yeah. the pun, re entry. Now,
2: yeah. um... And that's the end of episode 52. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> <they're>, they did <laughs> use before it, unfortunately, for too, too many just just
2: the Neil Clifford's
1: glasses are, as they say in France, you've got to get the pun here, pre-1993. Did you get the pun there? Oh, yeah. yes, yellow lenses, yellow lenses. The yellow lenses. I miss um, those. We are going to move on to model cars. Um, and I'm going to put this over to Neil Clifford, because he chose the subject, and he's now put his hat on. Neil, model cars.
5: Well, the thing is... Manish chose the subject. Yep. Ah. And and um and so we'll pass to Manish in a moment. You know I've never really been into model cars. It's Ooh. not No. It's not a love hate thing. I'm not going to stand here and say I detest model cars like I do sometimes moan about stuff. I just never really got into them. I think it's my my scruffy nature of slight disorganisation through life has never meant that I've Collected a load of lovely model cars that I've kept for 20 years and they're all in a lovely cabinet. I've got lots of friends like that that have these, whatever they're called, Anagram or Algoram expensive 4,000 pound models of Ferrari Tester Ross Amalgam. That's that. I've got friends with all of those things that, yeah, you know, take,
0: yeah.
5: take great pride in them or, yes, just have collections of those pretty little cars that are all shiny and they dust them every week if i had them i'd be dropping them losing them smashing them they'd be all over the bloody place so i've i'm i'm more into real cars than model cars i suppose (laughs) my my thing really i've never really i've got one here there it is yeah and i like that because i've got the real
1: version of it yeah
3: (laughs) just over just by his left elbow
1: literally yeah, uh, yeah, keeping uh, it real for the podcast for the people
5: and a bird's custard van.
4: Oh. I was bought What make the, of van is that? I don't mean the manufacturer of a toy, but is it's it a Morris? The Morris, I and think who, it's what's it's the manufacturer? It Lesney, is it a Lesney or is it Matchbox or is it yeah, some see, other that's manufacturer? the
5: problem of model cars? You get all these strange people that want to know all the bloody details of what it's just a piece of metal with rubber I wings. I only asked. Well it's it's a Morris. Oh god. But no, I've never I've never, you know, even scale electrics I had it, I couldn't put it together, then it would break and the wheels would come off and I would lose bits. And it's not in my brain to enjoy model cars.
1: Life bastard.
5: I don't dislike them. I just never have got into them.
1: He's not but, a real addict. Really no. real last <laughs> half empty rant to start with there. We're talking over each other as well. So everyone just shut up and give each other some space to talk. Right. Chris Cooper, you go next.
4: I quite like model cars, if that's OK. It, I mean, it, it all started with model cars, didn't it? It started... My father always used to say to me the first word that my brother and I said. Uh, and funny enough, we weren't sitting in the back seat of a Porsche 911 or some exotic BMW with rear headrests and rear cigar lighters. We were probably standing in the back seat of a Vauxhall Cresta or something like that. And he said, by goes. He used to stand in the front back of the car, pointing out the window going, by goes. Those things are going by. And so he bought us some Matchbox toy cars. Nice. Actually, some of them might have been Lesney. Remember Lesney? And... It was just, they were just wonderful. They just captivated us. It was just where the whole passion started for me, which was think what it would be like. Think what it would be like to have the real one of this, whatever it was. And you play around and you make all the broom broom noises. I, I still do actually when I'm by myself in the evening. Um, it was just wonderful. The JP, the Corgi JPS Lotus 72. Mm. Oh, just yeah. I think I see those occasionally on eBay thinking that would just be all of my childhoods all over again, having that one. Um, I did have, we did have scale extracts and my brother and I would see how fast or how far you could make them fly. If you put <laughs> the track over a, the landing or something like that. And we would sort of, we discovered, we discovered oversteer and low mu surfaces by putting Fairy liquid on some of the corners or a bit of water. And the thing would, I remember having a Mark One Escort Mexico type thing, Sketch's so car, and just the wonderful fun and just seeing how it would just oversteer at quite slow speed around the corner because we had a bit of fair liquid on the track. So, and then you discover Tamiya. And then you discover, so Never had one. in my current list, I've got. I haven't made this one. Got that one to make, and I've shown you one before, but I've got this one here.
2: Oh, you've shown us that. Yeah, that's that cool. There.
4: I'm going to make the fucking safety if ever break my arm or something. God, I didn't say that. And just stuff like this. This is so. This is just what was in my office at the moment. Do you, recognize... do you recognize that monkey? Yeah, I do. You and yeah. I have both driven that. That very car, this very car. This is the Eric van der Poel 1987 DTM winning car. Not this one.
5: It's It's not, it's just a stupid model.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I've raced that car on the Nürburgring in it. I just think it's just part of the memory. I just... That shop, that shop at the... uh, You haven't been to... You've been to Nürburgring, Neil? Of course you haven't. No. No. So on the... Moist Path Road. Anybody has been to the Ring will know the ED petrol station. And the toy car shop. You could just go in there and it's just got full of toy cars of every... Not those amalgam ones. I'm with you on that. But I think model cars, building model kits, building that's the... Patience. Those Tamiya ones of F1 cars and thinking, that's what a wishbone is. That's what Ackerman's... It was all just really really it just when you when you can't drive or you weren't going to school in the back of a 911 um it was just how we got our passion so all of my passion was came mine, mine came yeah, as that. well yeah that as well definitely yeah, that as well yeah so model cars is
1: for me it's where it started um i agree with all of that the managed pandy who chose the subject model cars
3: hmm. well i chose it because i thought it's one of those things that um, it really is the bridge between imagination and an addiction. And
4: the bridge between well, imagination and addiction.
3: Well, that's what I. Uh, I think when you're a child, you probably um, you become You're probably not addicted as a child, and I, I. It began exactly as it did with all of you. I think with Matchbox cars, they were affordable. I remember yeah. my father when he was a. He was a junior doctor at the hospital. He used to um at St. James's Hospital in Balo. It's closed now, but um he used to smoke like a chimney. And on the Sundays he wasn't on call. He'd often give me um, a fiver and say, Go to the post, go to the post office, the local, it's the only thing that was open in the morning, news agents. And um he'd say, Buy me my whatever he used to smoke. I can't remember what he used to smoke. He'd say, buy me my newspaper get yourself some sweets and something else that you want and I think matchbox cars were sort of like 30p at the time weren't they in the 70s they were yeah. you know, mm-hmm. utterly affordable and I basically built a collection by being my father's cigarette provider you know on a sunny on a, on a, I morning mean, it, it's amazing isn't it in those days they would give a child yes oh six a packet of cigarettes for my dad <laughs> Like that, <you> know. <laughs> but it, I mean and it did start with those. And I remember there was a very bad Lamborghini Countach that Matchbox made because they all had yes. the same nails and everything. And I fell in love with the shape of this car as a Matchbox toy. And at some point in the 70s, and I, I still remember buying my first Countach LP400 Tamiya kit and just yes. looking at the body and just not understanding how a body could could be that shape, could be that beautiful the, the The thing that absolutely floored me were the pop-up headlamps and the lights at the back, just those funny anhedral that 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 shape. And I actually got into making cars um, in quite a big way in my in my twenties. so it sounds nuts, but uh, oh, see, look at that. I mean, just look I was at that.
5: Doing, I was doing very different things in the, my twenties to you, I think.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no Neil, you know what? It, you know what it was? Just from my teens to my twenties, you know, even as a before I think it was before I began writing. So I bought an airbrush, I had every kind of sounding device, I discovered photo etch parts. And in fact, the very, very last car that I built was um the Gehart Berger version of the F189 120th scale to my own. I did it with photo etch parts. Because a friend of mine was really in love with it. It took me weeks to build this thing on, sort of, you know, minutes off here and there. And I remember when I when I brushed, when I, when I painted it, put the decals on, then I put the lacquer on on top, hanging the body upside down in my bathroom because that was the most dust-free place before mm. pushing this thing. And um, it 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 was just the most joyous experience giving it to him in a perspex box, and he thought it was an amalgam model. And you know what wow. I think was about, because I'd given up basically surgery by then. I just wasn't using my hands. I hadn't and thought about that. The way It was a real way for me. You are probably
4: very good at doing that. Would well, you I come do- round in the school holidays? Yes. Before we have to go home for tea. Could yes. you come round and you and I are going to make this together?
3: I will bring my compressor. I will bring my tools. Oh. All in a, I've got so many tools. You've got to I do think. that. The paints are probably all dead by now. But I was just going to say that the last part of this, is something that I haven't quite got into, and it's exactly what Neil got at the concept of amalgam models. Because I think you could spend a couple of hundred pounds on something, maybe if you've got a bit of money, maybe a little bit more. But the amalgam models do take it to a different level. An entry level car there, and they they say unashamedly, these are perfect scale replicas. They don't have opening doors. You know, they don't. That's not what they're built to be. They're built to be. Perfect sculptures. And so they go from several hundred to several thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. And they are objects of absolute beauty. But I will take it one step further. A very good friend of mine who is into Ferraris. He has a man in Italy who builds him. And its they're absolutely crazy. I think they are one-sixth scale working cars. Yeah. He's got a GTO. Wow. He's got um, the Lancia D50. He's got um, the 57 Testarossa. He, he's got, uh, I've said it, 250 GTS. One other, he's got, and they are beautiful. The doors open, the pistons work, the gearbox worked. the suspension, work. I mean, they are, and they, it takes two people to lift them up. I mean, these things are literally 60 kilos worth of car. They are the most, I I don't, terrifying amount to, yeah. to, to buy. I mean, you'd buy a real car for those. So. It's an amazing scale of things, and I think, God, you know, something I'll be in love with forever. Neil, sorry.
2: Neil's not going to be converted here. No,
3: I sort of admire it. I don't
5: understand it. What's the point of buying a car, a thing that's like for midgets, when you can get a real car? (laughs) <laughs> and actually drive the bloody thing, as opposed to having a little miniature thing that you just look at. I mean, I don't understand. I, I wish I did understand it a little bit more, but I don't
1: really. It I, was is- just, I, I was just reminded of something that I saw on... Well, someone showed me, he's on Facebook, a guy that made an escort model out of... He it, it made it like it was jewellery. And I just tried to Google crazy escort model and something really... <laughs> <laughs> a web browser just went no, like yeah, other things <laughs> came up.
5: He's <laughs> probably over eighteen. You work
1: that one out a second, right, Edward? Uh, model cars, did they touch you or not?
2: Uh, yes, they did. My bedroom. My, well, my grandfather was a very big collector of model cars. <laughs> he he uh, in, in back in the day, and my um, this is on my mother's side, not my father's side, and. Um, Back. Oh, in that, the day. sorry,
1: that explains it. Cooper's on the Red Bull. That's why he's he's thinking If if it's blockbusters, he's buzzing before the end of the
2: question. That's why. <laughs> we go. Come on. Come on, everybody. So, back back in the day, like every Formula One car from every season. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> every every Formula One car from every season and every Delivery for every driver. There was a model of those cars and for yes. every every BTC car or for oh, every yeah. entry to Le Mans. And my my grandfather collected all these cars. And if you ever have the oh. opportunity to go to the BRDC at Silverstone, you'll see a lot of those models on display there. And and my father raced in in period, so there's great. You know, you can go to uh, go to the Essen um, or not not any of the motor shows, retromobile Essen, and you go into the sort of auto jumble areas, and you could look through there for the car that my father drove at Le Mans in the 70s or the 80s. So that that was always fun. But mm. but as, as a, obviously as a very young child. If you have a toy car put in your hands, you can't go and drive it. You're probably too young to use remote control cars, so I think for a lot of us it did start there my my yeah. room was covered in it my I remember back in the day i think it there was a shell um petrol station next to what was the dick Lovett Mercedes Benz showroom back in the day in Swindon. And my father used to go and fill up his car on the way home and you collected the points when every time you filled up and every time you got a certain amount of points, they gave you one of these uh, Shell-sponsored car models yeah, they were giving yes, away. Yes. And every, every two or three weeks, my father would come back and give me give me one of those models in a box. And because my grandfather was a collector, I always kept the box. I always kept, kept the packaging and, and it would go up on the shelf and I... And I be excited to wait for the next one i loved micro machines as well and as you grew older you start you then probably got into a remote control car and then you got a little bit older than that and if you were super lucky you might have got a quad bike or some sort of other device that you can yeah. start driving and then yes the addiction gets a lot more expensive and a lot more real but mm. my son's four years old and whenever we travel we travel with this bag and there's a We've got too many cars now to go in the bag, but Chris is holding up his 934, but he's got his little 934 in there. GT3RS, Bugatti um, Chiron Super, uh, Bugatti Veyron Super Sport, Boxster GTS, new new 935. What's that? A Chiron Pure Sport, Nissan GTR. He's got 30 of them. Can, can I come around and play with those as well? Things. I love that. He knows every model. He, and, and I shared this video with you at Christmas. Yeah. He knows yeah. every model of the car, and he knows every engine in every car. And it, it's it starts there.
4: Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool.
2: So oh, oh, oh. yeah, I'm loving this. Neil Clifford, I'm, been... Beli- I'm a believer. <laughs> <laughs> Neil
1: Clifford cast as the grumpy old man. I'm
5: loving. No, I think it's. Co- I think it's cool. I'm. I'm feeling rather um like I've missed something in my life.
1: <laughs> Look,
3: this yeah. email has just arrived. Look from Cars 24 Spark. Yeah. And, oh, not all DT3.
1: DT3. Okay. Right. Okay. phone's
2: so, listening to you.
1: Allow me to allow me summarise a bit. I, I, I love the stories. I agree with all of it. I also agree with Neil Clifford in many ways. So I separate toy cars into probably three categories. There's the, the child relationship with toy cars. There's the adult relationship with toy cars. And then there's remote control cars or radio control cars afterwards. I think I, I agree with all of those stories about the bond. If you look at the genesis of your of your passion for the automobile... In, much of it will be down to the toy car, uh, and I I think if if it isn't you, you you've had a, an anomalous way into having a car passion. Most of us, if you're a certain age, uh, were given toy cars and we use those to um, support our imagination. We went on adventures with them; they were our friends. Uh, and I think that motley collection of toys that you had, you didn't necessarily choose; you were given them. So you know, quite often, your favourite Formula One driver was. Was the one that drove the car that you were given for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That you didn't choose, so I, I, that stuff I I think is wonderful. And You built up this collection, this 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 merry bunch of things to go on adventures with. And they, I remember, I had a, a Majorette Renault 14. You know, I don't know what that was about. I, you know, Majorette Renault 16, all sorts of random stuff because the shop next door used to sell them. The adult relationship with toy cars is different for me. I'm a bit like Neil Clifford here i don't want a room full of toy cars i don't play with them anymore i like real cars but i do think i like having toy cars that are of relevance to me so like your 365 there if i can have a model of something that I, exactly there we go chris cooper's got there chris, chris cooper's showing a model of a car we raced together and my name's not on it which is annoying uh, and neil cliff is showing a picture of a yellow jello fly yellow 365 which he owns um so I think the significance is that you have a model of a car that's significant to you. You might have driven it, your mate might have owned it, you might have loved it after it, and that yeah. means I, 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 do, I don't. I don't have many toy cars, but I do have certain cars that I raced and cars that I've owned. So I, I get that. I really do. And I, the idea of just having a room full of toy cars that don't mean anything to me is a bit yeah, hard. that's right. But yeah, but I, I think, but again, yeah. people that have these collections on YouTube, whenever I, or on Instagram, you sometimes get pushed. A picture of an incredible collection and i go wow if i owned that i would be up against all of them all day long looking at the descriptions yeah because they they have the shape of the motor car i um, part of the car obsession the addiction is is being addicted to the form of the motor car i think yeah. so tamia is a bit different uh you know cards on the table i i uh i have it on my crash helmet and i i adore them i think they're wonderful because they were the first time i really understood suspension systems, different designs, making a car from scratch. I mean, they were just an R. They're one of the greatest objects of them all. I I you know I place a Tamir motor car up there with a real motor car with a great wristwatch with I don't know the, the things that I enjoy most in life. I I Mr. Tamir, I can't thank him enough really. He's brought untold joy to mine and other people's lives. So I I think that's how I categorize them. The the child relationship with toy cars is, is a bit different to the adult one. But there's one type of toy car we've never really discussed. Now these were available, I think, in the 70s and 80s. I think they died out after that. But these were my favorite toy cars as a child. I think they were German and they were called Dada cars. Do you know who remembers those? No.
2: Nope. Dada cars. You,
1: no, they had a little spring motor inside them and you draw them back. Oh, that's and right. And then yeah. motors. Fiction and they motor. had and they had real speed. And you could buy a track. Now I remember when my about ten years ago, I I bought a load of old Dada track and some old Dada cars off eBay. Set it up in my then flat, and was playing along with my four-year-old then four-year-old child, and he couldn't believe how good they were. So if you can find a a Dada car, that's for me peak toy car because you could buy a nine eleven Targa that would do about eight miles an hour just by drawing it back on itself. It was just magnificent. Did they have that sort Chris, of coil spring? That they sort had a circular like... motor that, that was black and red on one side and wound up against each other inside the chassis. They were mid-ended. Yeah. Dada. I think it was D-A-R-D-A-R-D-A-D-A car.
3: Chris, just what I was going to say was that I've, there's one thing I do, and I don't do it often, but I would say about once a month. I um, If I'm really stressed... Especially in the evening. You know, you, you've you've had a you know bad week, bad day, bad whatever. One thing I have found on YouTube is um that they vary between sort of 15 minutes and half an hour. And they are, it is an expert literally building a car. And one of the ones, I mean, especially the Senate sort of Formula One ones or Ferraris, and you'll see someone literally cutting the sprue, building it. Polishing the thing, and he see does it, it for 30 minutes. What would take me six weeks, yeah. And such a relaxing thing. To, I know it sounds yeah. mad, but I, I come out of that going, Okay, I think I can sleep. You see yeah. something being made that's beautiful and being made beautifully.
1: We might now post a link to one of those mm. on, on the screen. I've just been can. looking at them, yeah. And mm. you th- this, this this
4: car here, which doesn't have your name on it. Oh, God. And it doesn't have your name on it. it. This is a car we raced together for years and years and years at the ring. It's my happiest memories. Many of them are in that car, but I do have the car from this year that does have your name on it. But it doesn't
1: oh, have yeah, my. The, the, yeah.
4: the one that's in the museum.
1: I know. Well, I, I, and I, I,
4: I. But I got that because it meant something to me. Because my mate had this amazing experience with Volta Roll and all those people from the factory, and you had that amazing finish in the. 2010 Nurburgring 24 Hours. So, when we were in the shop one day, I thought I need to buy that one as well because that means something to me
1: as well. So you're right; it's got to mean something. They they are they're special things, and I think they have a place in the petrolhead heart. And I think Neil Clifford is mm. going to go away and reassess his relationship with the model car.
5: I swear, I swear, yeah, I'm a bit old to do that. Really, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty much stuck in my ways. <laughs> but I, right. Because I don't have the dexterity, patience or skill to actually sit and make anything. If I tried to do anything practical, I will fuck it up and make it worse. It doesn't get me going because I know I wouldn't do it well. That's yeah. my, my my tunnel into cars was, if anything, it was... Yeah. yeah imp- no. Th-
4: those are really. Yeah. It's, love it was that as well. an
5: information of of looking at real cars, not to say model cars are in in inferior. It's just I could remember all the numbers, and this was it was the data that was interesting to me. No, was, once, um,
1: sorry, is this true? I think that there was a ubiquity to the model car. They were available in just about every shop, every garage but top trumps were much harder to come by as a kid well, they they the, yeah.
2: the, yeah. well, one thing obviously given we're we're all of similar age in and you know we i i you know I, I didn't grow up in the city i grew up in the countryside so you know but having a model car at at, at an age where i couldn't go and get on a bus and go in and look at what these real cars yeah. or go to motor shows that was the only way of interacting with something wow this is isn't, isn't yeah. this cool but nowadays you've got gran turismo you can play on your mobile That's phone true. you, you yeah. can go into central london and become a car spotter you know, yeah. there are so many touch points now to go and um see the i, I used to lo- you know going into a motor show was like playing with model cars i wasn't going to drive any of them they were the re- they were the real thing i um, yeah, they were still true. model cars i couldn't touch them or you know maybe touch them but i was never going to drive them
5: yeah it's true i never went to motor shows either
2: yeah right moving on
1: no one's allowed to interrupt until i say speak you've got to listen to this aston martin yesterday launched uh, the revi- heavily revised v8 vantage with over 660 horsepower as an entry-level car uh, a fact i love and i think um it it's the type of car aston martin should be making my colleagues uh, could discuss that in a minute before that before they're allowed to interject i want to read Uh, the wording on the Aston Martin Instagram account that describes this new vehicle. Forged in the fires of the limit, not just a shrine to lap times, but standing as a symbol to thrill seekers, putting you in constant conversation with the road and freeing you with the trust to go further, comma, throttle harder and revel at the limit. Don't say anything, anyone. There's another one a dedication to drivers designed to rise above the banal conversations about lap times, tweaked, refined and set free with a four litre twin turbo V8 engine, 800 newton meters of torque and 665 horsepower of pure power created to grip tarmac and send it running through every inch of aluminium, carbon and steel reverberating through your senses. Now, before we discuss the car and the car company and one of the images accompanying it, it was so badly CGI'd that it's a car that somehow is rolling the wrong way into an oversteer corner with its rear tyre in midair. I don't think I've read such utter horseshit <laughs> written by a car company since the same car company wrote the script about um, uh, a keen harpist in their spare time. Who writes this shit and how dare they not support such a special car with some worthwhile press words and photographs. This is utter shite. Um, Sorry, it really is. Chris Mm -hmm. Cooper.
4: It it is pretty shite, and it's it's similarly shite as when the DBX arrived and that ridiculous advert, when they seemed to feel they had to explain what Aston Martin was. And they said that the DBX had been baptised in the flames of adventure. (laughs) <laughs> I mean well I mean we're going to come on to it because this is kind of I want to talk about it is because what is Aston Martin and what do we think about it and where is it going and what does it make us feel they, somebody somewhere must have surely stopped to think do you know what we keep banging on about our brand and British Ferrari and James Bond and so forth why are we focused
1: on this guffology it's just awful it's just awful did you just say guffology? guffology? I did say guffology. That yeah. is the word. That is the word because this is nothing but it's air, it's methane from the colon. It's the, not normal air.
2: The the one thing they probably missed with all of it is that the car they launched looks bloody brilliant and it's got a ton of power and I'm and so it just needed a great photograph and no words. It should have just launched it should have read the new Aston Martin Vantage Available now, yeah, yeah. 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 Get I, some.
1: I think that's right. Ed, Ed would love it—a job in the marketing department Aston Martin. But I, I, and also, I'm not sure some of this is English. You know, I, I. Some of yeah, Chris, are... I was about to say,
3: do you think there's some form of translational issue here? I mean, they you bit, this is designed to be read in Chinese, perhaps Arabic, yeah. possibly.
2: I'm not sure. I've met anyone in who likes cars that would enjoy. Reading that and think about going to buy one they just look at the photo i want that car and by the way that gt3 version of it that is a handsome yeah. looking racing car it is I
1: just, uh, the whole
2: thing looks yeah, that like
1: one there yeah entry level little aston with 665 horsepower a proper interior i mean what's not to love but talk, talk about throwing a banana skin in front of yourselves you don't you just don't need it, do you? And, that, and also, the the film with that starts with that with Alonso in the sort of fetal position. I mean, it just looks in like
5: a wheelbarrow. He,
1: yeah, he looks like he should be in a mobility scooter. Mm. It's terrible.
5: I mean, so, they're lucky that that no one actually that is a buyer is going to read that shit.
2: Yeah, yeah. asked yeah. for
5: twelve-year-olds, isn't it?
2: Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I think they might be confused by reading it also. But I, I think it's. Uh,
1: I think it's a really, really great-looking car. The performance is going to be outrageous. And it, I'll tell you why it worked for me, people. I'll make an admission. Yesterday, uh, I had an hour and a half uh, when I wasn't scribbling or doing something, and I wanted my to get some of the crap off my car. I have the car washed once every four months when when the the dirt is too much. So I went down to the guys, the Scratch and Shine, down in uh, Winstead Road in Bristol. And after that, I thought, I'm going to go to the Aston Martin garage. They've launched a car today. They deserve some footfall. Quite often I find when a new car's launched, it gets me to go to a showroom to have a look around at the old stuff. Because the moment, you know, an addict behaviour is if there's a new one, that means the old ones are going to become cheaper. That's what we all do, isn't it? There must be a bargain to be had. So I went to Aston Martin Bristol um, and was met by a salesman who was just lovely. And I'll, I'll say his name in a minute. Uh, and, and they, you know, tried very hard to sell me a car in the most polite way possible. They told me it was the best, the biggest best-selling Aston dealership in the country. They're very proud of the product. I looked at DBSs, which there was a couple at 120-something grand. What a car. Honestly, there was a Midnight Blue. Yeah, you sent us. DBS uh, at Aston Bristol. Honestly, if you're thinking about buying a super sports car at the moment, if you see that thing, your hand in your pocket straight away. How many miles do you have on it? Quite a few. High 20. uh, 25, 26. But... But it just made, it made me go and sort of re-engage with the brand. I've slightly ignored it for a while. Uh, and I, I have to say, I love their cars. I love I love the front-ending GT thing. And what I like about what's happening in Aston Martin at the moment is, for all its troubles and for all the speculation out there, it's making Aston Martins. They are I know they all look a bit samey, but they're front-engined, very powerful cars in which ordinary people could pretend they're James Bond. That's what that's really what an Aston Martin is for me on the road. I'm not I don't care about you know there was a Valkyrie in the showroom and I didn't I couldn't really be asked to look at it. I wanted to look at all the big, muscular, haunchy. If you asked me to choose the best Aston Martin in the last 20 years, it'd be one I haven't driven, it'd be the 177. I think it's still one of the best looking road is, cars yeah. ever made. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can you can keep the Valkyrie on that front. So I, I like I like the renewed interest in the brand. I'm really pleased they've made this car. But whoever signed off that non sideways CGI image, find it on on Instagram, uh, and and those words uh, needs lobotomizing it because it's shite. Are they really in, out, in, in
2: general? They they they've made very few design errors, haven't they? In the in the last. Well, I you know DB seven wasn't a I wasn't a big fan of it, but I think I said on a podcast a few weeks ago that I think the D, the DB nine is a great looking car, yeah, it it is, sort yeah. of timeless design. And you know the the first V eight Vantage was great. The first modern iteration yeah. of V eight Vantage was a great little package. It a bit a bit underwhelming to drive, but it was a great looking car. And,
3: Are they reliable, Edward?
2: Yeah, I think so. There the, might no no worse than anything else out there. You know, they, there's a, probably a few little issues here and there with electronics, but not nothing major. You generally think, don't you know, see we, them we, parked we, by the side of the road with owners in distress.
3: We spent time with um, you know, <clears throat> Luca's old man, Felisa, was there and will be there, you know, just for a very short time. Left. And he always used to say that he felt that as a brand. It was just, you know, his work, he loves that word. It's a fantastic brand. He always felt it was a fantastic brand and just needed just that light, right little bit of um, alchemy to put it right back there. It just needed-
2: What it, no what it needs what. is full ownership from Mercedes or Geely, and it just needs to be rebodied AMG cars which, which, uh, uh, with with beautiful interiors and lovely design bodies.
3: But Mr. Not Cooper, is this brand going to survive on the road? Um, I mean, yes. I mean, it's
4: about 26 years ago, just as I was setting up my firm, we did a bit of work with Aston Martin. And I went to Bloxham, remember the old TWR factory where they made DB7? It was actually when DB7 was being made. And I met with the CEO, a guy called Bob Dover. Sounds like he should be in a porn film. Yeah, Actually, not Ben Dover. He is a esteemed British motor industry executive. (laughs) And um, he was trying to sort out, because he was, when Ford had it, and his commercial kind of marketing director, a guy called Bill Donnelly, who some people listening just will know, both very impressive people. And they said, um, our brand is sports priority, which I never really understood. It was when they were about to launch the Vanquish with that rather fragile gearbox. And they said, we're Britain's Ferrari. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure that's necessarily going to be... I mean, I get what you're saying. It should be. But always trying to aspire to something else that's not you never really feels like strong enough identity. And James Bond by itself is... It is James Bond. It's the coolest thing in the world. It should be the world's coolest brand. And for a long time, it has always been in those lists of the world's coolest brands. The world's coolest. So I kind of... I, I, I do think it is going to... There was something that Lawrence Stroll was reported to saying recently. He said, so I've invested in all these factories for F1 and for the road cars. I've saved the brand, saved it. I should have a knighthood. And you kind of think, yeah, it's typical laws," But actually... He's not done bad. Mm-hmm. He's not done bad. You think of where it was before. I mean, those cars are. I and mean, we, we take the mick out of the marketing. I have a nasty feeling that Lawrence would have looked at that and said, I like the sound of those words.
1: Yeah, no. Um it, I,
4: but, I I have to
1: separate the what they're doing from those words.
4: Yeah. So I think no, I'm the product's been a bit weak. I mean, if you you know, you, you could get completely bogged down with. How has that business been run and owned and so forth? And so many people have had half hearted goes at it. But now it feels like there's some um, half sensible people who knows the next year will be. I,
1: I love it. <laughs> Neil, Neil, Clifford.
2: Clifford.
1: No, I, I, I've got to be uh, honest here the corporate <laughs> side of it, and the numbers. We Many of you that listen to this will probably over a guy called Secret Supercar Owner who does these fantastic deep dive investigations into company finances now he's had a field day with Aston Martin for years
5: karonable.com caronable yeah,
1: Karenable. yeah. You, you know you can almost hear him licking his lips I don't know I don't know the guy's name that's why there's secret in his name but he clearly has a financial background and he's he just forensically pulls things apart he yeah. re- he clearly thinks Aston Martin is more and more and more in the poop there's more and more debt Oh, could is having a pizza or something or a toast no day. it's pancake day or was it of course it's pancake day right um so and I think, you know, from what he writes, Aston Martin is just further and further in the shite. And really, it's a waiting game before Geely comes and buys it all, which is fair enough. And I, I think we all hope that Aston Martin is such a cool brand, it will survive. Beyond maybe brands that deserve to last longer than Aston Martin, given how many times it's gone wrong. But there, there is, there's a concerted effort now. The, the, the cars, sadly, I don't think are selling as well as they should. And I fear for Aston Martin that it's arriving with the right cars at the wrong time. It's arrived with this V8 VA Vantage at a time when most people aren't wanting to spend that much money on a new super sports car. Whereas five years ago, they were spending a lot of money on Shite. So,
2: well, maybe- I, I think I'm not. I I don't disagree with that. You know, they are clearly a sports car brand. You know, they've tried hard with their four door version, and you know, obviously to launch the DBX. Which, having driven a DBX, I haven't driven a seven hundred seven. I actually think it's a really good car. But they they would have to do something wildly radical that's wildly away from what their brand represents to really have an easy life. And you know that's like McLaren are still struggling financially with more and more capital injections coming left, right, and centre because they literally they build one car, they build a sports car you know whether yeah. you go with a full hog or not you know they're two seater sports cars and unless you want them to build a diesel saloon and a Tesla Model three competitor I think it's that that's why you know we've we've talked about it before it's there's there's going to continue to be some consolidation out there and there's probably only going to be a handful of brands that can survive Yeah.
1: Neil Clifford, would you own a midnight blue oh. £120,000 DBS Superleggera.
5: This is a very complicated discussion, isn't it, Aston Martin? Because we all love the brand. The Whether it be James Bond, whether it be the fact that the cars are beautiful, the fact that it's British, the fact that we want to be all positive about it, the cars are generally pretty. I think the Vantage, not this new, new one, but the The one that was new yesterday, I didn't think it was that pretty, actually. That was a bit of a cock up, that car. And frankly, they haven't changed the back of the new one. The back's still crap. That's why they haven't done any photographs of the back. But I think in in general, they're pretty cars. I've owned one, and none of you guys own one and not many people that oh, are, no. you know that are oh, really... that's
2: not true i own 5 gt8s at one stage yeah, but that's <laughs> to just make money
5: on them that's not to enjoy the bloody thing
2: i didn't make any money on them i tried to <laughs> <laughs> i didn't enjoy them and i didn't make any money on them. I, just... I and
5: I, i'm I, and i'm just trying to connect the dots in my head a bit because because you know this is where i started not in model cars it's not just about what things look like it's not a pair of shoes a car a man, we study data, we read journalists, we want the dynamically the best car as well as the prettiest car, and I think they had a ratio of 70% pretty, yeah. 30% good dynamically. The ratio yeah. wasn't correct, therefore yeah. the man smelled it out, and it was bought by the man, in my very humble opinion, which is maybe quite a controversial thing to say, that was more image than it, because he wants to be James Bond. If you buy an Aston Martin, you just want to be fucking James Bond. But but you don't dynamically care that it's not as good as a Porsche or Ferrari or sometimes even Lamborghini. And I think that's the challenge that um, Lawrence and the team have got. Dynamically, the car's got to be quite a lot better because I've owned one. I never drove it. I had better things to enjoy. And then I sold it.
2: Which yeah, I think I, I think that's a that's a fair observation and, and and people do people are out there looking for something different. And if you want to just buy the best all round sports car, you're gonna probably go and buy something like a nine nine two turbo, but you know, then everyone's gonna be driving around in nine nine two turbos, and that's Didn't where
3: it's like. Rowan Atkinson was meant to be this massive Aston Martin fan about 15 years ago, or twenty years ago, he sort of said, Look, enough.
5: Yeah, he had a V8 Vantage yeah. like me, which I was never really a DB5, DB6, DB4 guy. I mean, they're pretty. You admire them like you do a vintage Patek, but I've I've driven one. It's like a tractor.
2: Yeah, it's
5: not that. Would you Would you
2: be excited about going to take delivery of your own specified new V12 Valour, or however it's pronounced? I, I think
5: the Valour. Which is, you know, off the back of the the victor, basically, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that is really cool looking. Really cool looking. Um would I what would I go and do 165 grand on the Vanquish with that R sticking up in the air? No, I wouldn't. Because it's like you've gone and had your hair cut and he hasn't done the back.
2: That that's actually <laughs> what, 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 what <laughs> clearly what one thing that has happened with Ast- with D- DBS um in particular, they launched that at a time which normally it would have depreciated very heavily. But because of the um, d- demand issues or supply chain issues in the motor industry during COVID, you know, they ended up, their residuals held very, very well. They actually went up in price. But mm-hmm. now when, you know, you know the, the used Aston Martin markets, always there's always been... Some great deals to be had. So when Chris talks about a DBS at 127 grand, you know that's probably a good buy.
4: That is yeah. quite. I had a DB9 convertible, pretty car, yeah, 2010, pretty. and I didn't really fit it. And when you had the roof down and tried to sort of press, it did rather fall apart. So quite quickly, and I was, you and I and Guy Spur were racing in Germany at the time, and I tried to keep it sort of a bit private, That I thought it was a bit shit. Um, But eventually I kind of gave in, and amazingly, a motor trader in the Wiltshire area offered me an enormously attractive used trade-in price for it, for a German car.
5: I think we all want to like it. It's like the royal family, right? You don't want to criticise anything. I mean, it's you know, it's British and it's got all that history, and it was created three miles from me. The Aston Clinton Road is just up yeah. here. Yeah. It's you. Know, we all want to adore it. I just, you know, I've owned ridiculous amount of cars because I'm stupid, and I've had one Aston Martin and I never drove it and I sold it because it's just nice to drive other stuff. If this thing is lovely to drive. You know, we all want it to be successful, don't we? I think. I think so, what, what would make you know, buy an
4: Aston Martin now, Neil? How would you get a, a, over the? I think they're shit. I don't. I, I had one. I didn't drive. I like other stuff. I'll let so you. How would they get you to buy one? What would What would I let
5: you. I let you into a secret. It's going to form part of my two-car garage.
4: Okay. So, oh. so,
5: as as in 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 my dream world, I'm always buying Aston Martins, you know, because we're always searching. only look at oh, all, look at that British Racing Green Vantage, 2005, two thousand and five, thirty nine, nine nine five manual. I'm always dreaming to buy one, but in the end, you don't, do you? Because they're not quite good enough dynamically. Because whether it be Chris Harris, whether it be other journalists, when you you know. How many How many Astons are a five-star car in here? Not many. many.
2: Not many. Many. EBS was pretty good. Can Neil the... go last on the two-car garage and I'm going to change mine? Yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no, Manish, that... any, Manish, any thoughts
3: on Aston? No, I mean, <clears throat> we've spoken about this before and I mean, I...
0: Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Wow. They are beautiful things. And I think Neil's just hit it exactly on it. It's, it's it's this beautiful thing from the outside. A friend of mine did buy a new one. I think it was 20 years ago. and the throttle cable went on this very, very first journey. I think Roan Atkinson complained about the flywheel. And you do get the sense that it's just sort of struggled from model to model. I remember the Financial Times, I think the only two, two times they've said, do not buy something on their front pages are um, Aston Martin and so else. That's my That's my kind of understanding. of it. like, do not buy this. This is yeah. not going to work. And that's why I just, I mean, what I did see was the, the debt just doing a bit of giggling. It's one point one billion dollars. That's not that's not an insane or astronomical sum of money for a Geely to just write a little cheque for. But I guess they're going to do that on the basis that they can do something clever with the brand. And I saw also the the year's earnings are going to be out at the end of this month. They report at the end of February, so that 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 will be interesting and just as an adjunct just the formula one team i didn't know that lawrence stroll had sold a little chunk of shares in that a while ago to a company called arctos which i decided to have a quick look at classic private equity do some sports investments so you know he brand
5: the brand is brilliant yeah I mean, it's it's incredibly strong, isn't it, to survive all the ups and downs that it's been through. It's a, and we all want it to be successful.
3: Who's going to be the new CEO when Felisa goes? I mean, who's going to, who's going Matthew, to get that? Matthew, Matthew Beard.
1: Uh, I think that's one of the least desirable jobs. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I think you're... Yes, I agree. The, the idea of managing that, that sort of level of debt a difficult set of difficult market circumstances, and Mister Stroll sitting above you. I think I'd rather. Go, I think I'd rather go and just clean cars down a Woodstock Road with scratch <laughs> and shine boys. Frankly,
5: well, Lawrence is the CEO. So
4: yeah, he's not the CEO.
1: executive chairman, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he, he's he's and
5: actually, you know, he's a very, very, very smart bloke. Yeah,
1: yeah,
5: and yeah. he is the CEO, whether whatever his title is, yeah. he's making every. He's in charge. You're yeah, right. he's in charge. It.
1: Yeah. Uh, right. Before we answer the question, old heaters or old heaters are better. I want to just uh continue the occasional series. Uh the new M5 I just I just bought isn't turning out to be quite the success story I'd hoped. So just to update you, um, I've had the whole rear suspension rebuilt and the whole front suspension rebuilt. Uh and at, at not that much money, everything in Darr's has been fantastic. But on Sunday, uh the M5 failed to complete its first journey, which I was told was inevitable anyway, uh, and it stopped on the off ramp from the M4 going to the M32 heading westbound. And to all of you, hundreds of people that waved at me and shouted things at me, some of which weren't polite, I want to say hello back. And to those of you that weren't polite, fuck you too. <laughs> uh, but the but the car <laughs> now found out that the something's gone wrong with the. There's a slave. Th- Thingy and something else has gone wrong in the SMG. And if if the engine ignition was on for too long, and the pump was wearing, and there wasn't any lubrication in the pump because we'd lost all the fluid, then the pump will be dead, which means the gearbox will be dead. So this is quite the project. It's a bit more than I'd I'd bargained for. I knew they were unreliable, but this this is a tricky vehicle. So I've come up with a solution. I don't know whether this is going to work or not. I've worked. I've, I've, I'm i understanding too late that to run an S85-engine M5, you need to have another car whilst that might not be working. It is in itself a two-car garage. So <laughs> I'm either going to buy an RS6 that I can run when the M5 Touring isn't running, but in my head I'll still be running an M5 Touring, so I've got like a, a reserve, I've got a benched RS6, but I don't really want to drive it, but I will. Or, and this is what I'm discussing with Dara, we buy another one. S85 touring because if, <laughs> if you've got two you can guarantee it's a better chance one will be running so yeah, I've, I've, like asked, I've asked him to find me another so that we can so we could just rotate them
3: Chris there's a there's supposed to be this story isn't there of an old woman who always walks onto a plane with a bomb in her handbag and uh, every time she gets stopped by the uh you know by the security guys she gets, why do you have a bomb in your handbag? She goes, Well, you never hear of a plane with two bombs on it, do you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you it. But, well, I, but I think I don't think it's a bad idea. And I tell you what, I'm not angry at all. I'm I'm re-engaging with cars that require some emotional commitment. I've 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 spent too long driving new cars that are within warranty and all very good. I stood by the side of the road on Sunday. It was totally inconvenient. I'd come back from watching the rugby, still had a beer head. It was, you know, one in the afternoon, but I still felt shit. And I just thought it was funny. I thought it was great. And I thought most of the interactions I had were kind. And the AA were was superb. Dave from the AA... And the guys from the Highway Rescue, whatever, people, they were wonderful as well. I got to talk. I had conversations I wouldn't have. It's a great conversation, Giver, breaking down. You know, it's a segue into meeting new people. So I'm I'm loving the process. The car's now been recovered at vast expense back to Dara. And I think I've done 3,000 miles in the car and it's cost me about £5,000 so far. And I think we're about to pull, we're about to press the green light maybe on a manual gearbox or another SMG. And I reckon it's going to cost me 20 grand this month to keep her going. But it's worth it. It's worth every single penny. And then I'll buy another one to keep it going. (laughs) Yeah. Right, moving on. Old heaters are better. This is, this was written by Neil Clifford after he'd been driving around. In his recreation, Bentley. I reckon. Can you correct me there or not?
5: No, 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 no. This, this was came. This came out of my wife's mouth, because when she, she's very, very suspicious of anything that's old. And the, you know, as I've mentioned before, the first question is: Are we going to get there if we jump in the R one o seven or the bloody whatever old piece of crap I'm driving around in? Because I think it looks nice, and one thing she said was, Oh my god, old car heaters are so much better than new heaters. She's got a lovely Mark, is it Mark 8? I suppose it's Mark H. Eight Gold yeah. R. You could drive all the way to Aberdeen before it gets warm in there. You can't yeah. actually you, you can't actually very easily get a new car toasty. I'm not talking about yeah. slightly warm. I'm talking about Mercedes of the 80s toasty, where you can literally like make a toasted sandwich on the dashboard. And huh. I'm sure there's very sort of saving the planet reasons for this, but it's sort of annoying that new cars' heaters are shit. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know why. And I'm sure they're all that- like
4: diesels now, aren't they? Everyone who's ever had a diesel, you think in the winter it will take you the rest of time for the diesel
5: engine yeah.
4: to warm up. There's, not, you there's nothing right.
5: like a Mercedes R107 yeah. heater. Literally, you can burn your feet within yeah. five minutes, kind en- of. The engine
4: management and the emissions management and all that kind of important green sustainability agenda we have all subscribed to. Basically, New Cars says you can't take too much heat out of the engine to put it into the heater because we need the engine to warm up quickly and get to a temperature, and therefore there's less heat to be retained or taken out. And I guess it must also be something to do with combustion efficiency and all those kind of things. So there's just less heat in the cooling system um, because less fuels being burnt, less energy is being burnt. In old cars, more energy is being consumed because the cars are less fuel efficient. I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk about all the things I didn't learn in my thermodynamics courses in the three months I actually stayed doing Mechanical engineering in the University of Portsmouth. But yeah, all of that says you're right. Although, oddly, obviously, electric vehicles mm. don't rely on anything. They heat up bloody quick because it's, it's just, just like a little, like the old London taxis, like the old cheapy, chirpy, chappy London taxis with that electric
2: heater yes. in the footwell that Caterham's had. So Neil needs an uh, an i3 or a a Tesla Model 3. Or a London taxi. I would
5: mind an i3. I'd have an i3. I'd rather be dead than drive a Tesla.
2: Yeah. But you'd get warm and toasty quickly. (laughs) Yeah, have an i3. i3 is still
4: brilliant.
1: Wear a hat. Wear a jumper. My my favourite of the heaters was a friend of mine who had a, uh, a Series 1 Land Rover when we first started to drive together. And actually... They were worth nothing then. No one cared about them. But it had mm. that heater that was down in between the seats that sort of shin yeah. level Taxi yeah, heater. With, with the flaps so that you could yeah. and, you just, and you had a flap you could just direct perfectly onto your shin. Yeah. And it gave the most perfect amount of heat to your Tootsies. It was lovely.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: I've got well, a Volvo 244 two, four DL passion. that that had a heater. That would just and also it would de mist it faster than yeah. same Bolt could run 100 meters. They're unbelievable. Who's really driven awesome. a truck
1: with an E bush? What they call E bush barker in those the, yep. the diesel-fired heaters? Yeah, they're, they're sensational, aren't they? Yeah, my defender's got one. Yeah, I've, yeah. Got, a three, I've
5: got a three. I've got a three-five-six with one, a 1963 three-five-six with one you of the those petrol heaters in the front, and you, you know, you hear it ignite. You switch it to the middle, and you hear. Yeah. the flames start going yeah. and then the smoke starts coming out from under the wheel arches yeah. and then within five minutes you literally could cook a chicken inside the inside the cockpit it's bloody
2: go, fantastic. go and drive a, a, a morgan aeromax and get the heat off the trans- transmission tunnel yeah. We- <laughs> yeah go and
1: ride it go and ride it r 2019 because that <laughs> That's got a nut heater on it that is beyond all others. (laughs) Your pods are warm. You could be in the Arctic and you'd be warm on that bad boy. i (laughs) I've had my children. Yeah. Uh, the, The concept of a cold car is interesting, actually. And this is slightly off on a tangent. But a vehicle that warms up too slowly is a poor companion because you might not have a very long journey. Yeah. Your only interaction with that car is it being a bit cold and frosty. Yeah. I had a I had a long term Jaguar lent me ages ago the the it was a twin turbo diesel uh, what was the uh, F uh, not F type what was the what was the X- big one? X X XK X- X-F. XF. XF, yeah, sorry. The one the one that was sort G. of a five, five series rival. Yeah, XF. XF, X-F. Yeah. sorry, my brain's <laughs> getting old. And I and it was a, it they they had a twin turbo diesel they put in it and it that sort of a five three five D rival. And then where we lived was about a ten-mile drive on, I mean, sensational A roads to get to the motorway. So yeah, as a as a drive mix, I was just blessed for uh, you know ten years of my life. You get onto this quiet Welsh A road, spank it to the motorway. It, it was a road that had everything, it, you know, everything in terms of undulations, straights, narrows. It was all it was gorgeous. This car would was inert. Its dampers were solid. For 9.7 miles every morning. And then they would just free up as I got to the fucking motorway. That's and annoying. I, I couldn't understand. I phoned up Jaguar and said, what, What's this all about? I've got this, the dampers don't work. It's lumpy. It doesn't ride. And then just when I get to the motorway, it works. Because oh, the dampers take some time to free up in the morning. So, well, this this car's useless for my and, so, and I think the, the, the car not heating up is a bit like that as well. You can rely, we can rely on an auxiliary bum warmer. But a bum warmer is a bit different. It it's it's comforting, but it's yeah. not a full-body hug, is it? Heating no. you is different to your spine being warmed.
5: Yeah, I, I like having the heater on and the windows open, or the sunroof. you've got the heater on, Ooh. you know, yeah. a 930 turbo with the heater in the middle, within three minutes, you've got to turn it down to one. Oh, yeah. it's too hot otherwise. But then you undo the sunroof. Oh, well, that's joyful. That yeah. is <laughs>
1: Uh, anyone else to I think we're 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 agreeing that old heaters are better, except they're in EVs. When they're in EVs, so we're we're confusing today. Anybody <laughs> old heaters? Say that again. Anything to add on old heaters?
2: I don't no. think so. Manish? <laughs> nope. Manish is just giggling, which is great. So, have you got on... a heated blanket, Neil, or a heated mattress?
5: I used to have an electric blanket when I lived with my mother in the seventies. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was nice. I miss they, an electric blanket. They were
1: banned in my father's house because he feared they were a fire hazard.
5: Yeah, they were slightly fire hazardy, weren't they? Were they were fire ish.
2: Yeah. I do like a cold bed. Oh,
1: can, a
2: you cold
3: imagine, bed. can you imagine can you imagine having that's... one of those, having a brandy and missing, you know, at night?
2: Yeah. Bang.
5: They well, should bring back the electric blanket. I think that's an underrated thing. There are still we've
4: got one somewhere.
1: It sounds like it always sounded a bit death row to me. The electric blanket it <laughs> yeah, doesn't yeah. sound quite right. Okay, yeah. um, are we on? Let's, let's move on to the thorny subject of our favorite motorsport. Is it my favorite motorsport? Actually, I'm not sure it is. Uh, Formula One, um, which is uh very much focused on a particular issue at the moment. Manish, have a stab at what's going on now <laughs> without being sued.
3: Yes, tricky. Um <laughs> Can I just say first, the new Ferrari was launched today, and I think the livery looks really good. Have you seen it?
4: No, No, it's not all black. Exactly, it isn't all black.
3: That was really nice. Um, Christian Horner and his problems discussed. Formula One is a pretty hardcore sport, and people have their elbows out, and people's tempers, I imagine, do fray. And as the season goes on, in these enormous um, seasons that we now have, I imagine people's kind of reserve diminishes, and it is alleged, although there's no evidence that Christian Horner was, quote unquote, out of line, too abrasive, who knows what, to an employee, this employee made a complaint to human resources in Salzburg. And suddenly Christian Horner is fighting for his job. And we've read the word, the term coercive control thrown out there. There are rumours about rifts between him and, and Salzburg. I mean, the only concrete thing I can see just from the outside in, in terms of why he may or may not be loved by the parent company is when Helmut Marco um, said some very unchoice things perhaps about Sergio Perez last year compared his work ethic to Max Verstappen's using their kind of continental differences. Um, Christian did follow up by saying, well, Helmut's not an employee of Red Bull Racing. He's an employee of those people up in Salzburg. That and I have to say it, it it was a good point, but i you know, you work together. i think I think loyalty, you know what, what's you know Harry Palmer says it, doesn't he in uh, in um in uh, he goes, you know loyalty should be like a girdle. It should stretch two ways. and i um, and i I think that's just a great phrase i I suppose that that was the first time I could see in public that this isn't one beautiful, we all read everything, but in public, seeing that this wasn't one beautiful, homogenous, winning machine. And, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to comment on something you really don't know about, but it seems to me that this has become extremely serious very, very quickly. I mean, being questioned by a QC for eight hours, Mm. I mean, that is sort of, you know, that sort of murderer territory, you know, that is that's that has got to be, you know, one of the toughest things you could possibly go through. Now it it also strikes me that I don't know whether it's strategic or not, but You tell me, you think the longer this goes on, is that better for Christian or worse? Because I would argue the longer this goes on, just the worse it is. Because you can't say anything in the press, you can't defend yourself, you can't talk about what it is, so the stink just, and today, you know, that that sort of paragon of virtue, as I shared with you, the Daily Mirror today, um, said, you know, 91-year-old Bernie Eccleston, brackets, he's 93, Um, has advised Christian to step down and now another paper is saying that Stefano Domenicali has joined in saying you've got to step down so you really do wonder I mean in a way what has he done to deserve this and (laughs) we just don't know suddenly probably the most successful boss certainly in the last three years um may not be at the helm of a company that he's helped shape since 2005 and you, you you know you do you do wonder wow i guess
1: i'm sure the boston consulting group has written a paper on the life cycle of a of an organization or an entity and there must be a point at which you know the snake tries to eat its own tail and red bull appears to be maybe reaching that point where mm-hmm. it inevitably start to self-destruct because you're so successful, you're beating everyone. You have got to start beating yourself. You know, sorry, <laughs> I need to rephrase that. But you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's because we don't. Because Red Bull is the ultimate privately held edifice, we don't know what's going on. And, but the longer we don't know, the more people speculate. And I think what where I agree with Manish, the more speculation and silence there is, the harder it becomes for for Christian Horner to survive. I think. His position becomes more difficult. through Actually, in that respect, through no fault of his own, or maybe that's the whole, all part of the ploy from Red Bull to string this out, or you know, or his enemies within Red Bull. I like the speculation that comes with it, though. I think lots of a good friend of mine uh, on another WhatsApp group said, you know, this does provide some welcome uh, distraction from launch season Formula One, which has gone from being a fantastic. Series of spectacles and, and ridiculous team leaders, and all trying to, to outdo each other, to just some really rather insipid, you know, reveals. Or I think Zach got it right the other day. We, you know, there's the delivery of our racing cars. Shut up, we'll go racing now. These half yeah. sort of launches we have, they're not, they're not great. They're not memorable. And you don't see Senna wearing an outrageous suit. You know, you, you just don't. So I, I think, and I, I like the Ferrari. I agree with Manish. Although I add one thing for this year. I think the rule makers have got it wrong. I think you should be able to see the spokes of a wheel. I don't want more of these discs. I don't. I want to see the spokes of the wheel are a very important part of motion on a yeah. car when you see the films and the slow-mos. These, these discs, which obviously aid brake cooling, they they take more and more personality and speed away from the car. I want to see a smoke.
5: Mm, mm, mm. But, but I, yeah. what I
1: fundamentally what I love at the moment is we've got this distraction, and we're all imagining. Well, what does this mean? Adrian knew he's going to leave. Does this mean? I've, and I think what it all comes under one heading: Are we going to see the end of Red Bull's dominance a bit sooner than we than we might otherwise have had? And we, it's nothing against Red Bull. But, you know, maybe we could just do with the changing of the guard. We've we've had a few yep. years of this. That it would be great if something else came along.
5: Yeah, it spices it up a bit, is not it? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Well, have yeah. you seen just how this weird season has crescendoed? We had Andretti is not going to happen. And then we had Lewis to Ferrari. And now we book got, is Christian leaving Red Bull? And he's all going to... I mean, what a
5: pretty It's all good for Liberty, isn't it? It's all good for Liberty, really. Also, yeah. can,
1: can one of you clever people tell me what happened to the... Uh... So the Wolves, because they were under massive uh, speculation about revealing information and exchanging information, that sort of petered out. I didn't really hear what the the outcome of that was. No, what
4: my understanding is that there was a bit of behind the bike shed's tittle-tattle chatter that Susie, in her F1 Academy role, which is essentially an FIA role as well as a former had something like that, had um, been privy to information that was sensitive or material from a team point of view. And it became slightly awkward because her partner is one of the team principals of the teams. And I suspect one of the team principals, a bit grumbly, sort of mm, off-the-cuff, unguarded moment, said something. what I think then happened was because that would have that, that stuff must happen all the time. Everyone's gossiping and moaning about everybody else. The difference on that occasion was um, MBS, not the Saudi one, the sporting one. In his attempt to assert himself as being in charge, grabbed onto this thing without any kind of filtering or whatever, and said, "Aha! I've got. I'm, I can assert control." At which point, uh, all of the teams said, well, it wasn't me, and more off, more beyond that, then said, well, actually, we think it's a grotesque attack on Susie. Uh, how dare they? And Susie is absolutely spitting feathers about it. She wants blood for this, and she hasn't had it yet. So poor old M. Mohammed bin Suliam found himself thinking, well, hang on, but somebody... Yes, but the person who said something to Mohammed didn't want to go public, and therefore you're sat there with your trousers down. So that's why it's all gone away. It was a tittle-tattle thing, I suspect. And when he tried running with it, he got realized he didn't have any friends, which he should have known anyway. It's, so that's why I went away.
1: Is it a sport or a playground? It's amazing. I do love it. It's it's very appealing, well, isn't it's, it?
4: It's both, which is why it's so entertaining. And I, I am mean, with Neil, I think this the um, we saw the Alonzo thing. There was a fantastic interview with Alonzo. I mean, he he knows how to get under people's skin. And when he oh, said, he's cool. "Well, I I don't remember Lewis having a dream about Ferrari last year."
5: Yeah. I don't it's all her dream about
4: it, and um, oh yeah, and now of course you know there's only three world champions, only three fast world champions, and I'm the only fast world champion that's now available. So yeah, I'm really interested to see what's happening in 2025 because I'm you know, and actually I've just done some medical tests and I could go on to 50.
1: Can I can I read that quotation because I love oh, this? Oh, yeah. dig at every one-time world champion over <laughs> the last 10 years.
5: <laughs> yeah,
1: there are only three world champions on the grid and fast world champions. Because in the past, maybe there were some champions who were maybe not so committed to be fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just there with his Rosberg T-shirt on going... Yeah. <laughs> it's just so... Just, Do you know what he is, Alonso? I've really? got a word for it, and I use it to describe my children sometimes. He's naughty. Yeah. 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 He's brilliant. He's just brilliant. naughty. He's brilliant. Brilliant. Um, anyone got any F1 stuff to add there? When's uh, the first when's, race?
5: When did we find out about the quali and how fast the cars are and all that? I know, the 29th.
3: 29th.
4: In, well, testing in Bahrain's next week.
3: Yeah. Uh, i I never think you find out do you find out very much from testing they're so naughty. Uh, i think you get an
1: indication they're clever but you do get the long runs you get indication there'll be nerds you know mark hughes will spot something and then he'll feed it back to the rest of us um the quirk of the opening races it's on a saturday not a sunday and that's not that has not been um publicized that much i don't think it's on a saturday not a sunday it's a a a nighttime race. race yeah yeah they're okay. testing,
5: are they? And then they just do the race. They all stay in Bahrain and have a holiday. Week, but yeah, I basically. Well,
4: they're out there because
1: then it's Jeddah. A bit with, yeah, it's a bit with Ramadan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, sorry to speak over you, Chris. So I apologise. I couldn't. I could hear your mouth moving, but I couldn't hear anything. It's like when we used to travel to the Nurburgring together. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> love you. Um, we're going to move on to our two car garage, if that's all right. But <laughs> we're, we're an hour and a half in. Uh, this is this is a, episode fifty two. Uh, is a long one. Um, today's two car garage comes from Michelle Mi- Mitchell Iceland four five nine three Mitchell who... Cleland. Oh my god! There you go. That's how you read it, Mitchell <laughs> Cleland. Sorry, I got I saw the I saw I saw an I in front an L in front of the C. Sorry, Mitchell, Mitchell. Cleland. Mitchell Clelland, sorry about that, Mitchell, 4593. Tell you what, I can't actually read it. Wait there. Shall I read it? No, because I want to get my specs out. It's going so quickly, this. uh, Look at that. Two car garage suggestion. Your 50th birthday is looming. You run a successful catering company and decided to treat yourself to a new, to you, two car garage. You need a daily, which you can use to visit clients. Brackets not so, not too ostentatious. Uh, spy on competitors, and is relatively economical and practical. You also want something for a bit of fun at the weekend. You're beginning to realise that power isn't everything, and driving fun is more important. Thus, you're looking for something that is most fun to drive under triple digits. The sweet spot when you're significant.
2: I think he meant significant other. Yeah, it doesn't say you're driving too fast.
1: Having just engine swapped your eldest son's Mini R53, you are open to something that may require some mechanical TLC. The budget, the same amount you can't bring yourself to spend on a 992 Carrera. £90,000. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. We love a compliment, the addicts. The addicts love a little compliment. They really do. They get all warm in the tummy. I'm going to go first to Manish.
3: So I was trying to look for these banana skins and I thought, is he a bit of a catering spy um, as well as turning up? And I didn't know what a catering spy sort of is. Is it somebody goes and looks to see what kind of icing other people's cream cakes have? I have no idea.
2: But Correct, I think- yeah. What, what sort of hors d'oeuvres they're um, serving at other people's weddings. Yeah. It's a wedding practice. that
3: That kind of thing. And then also... Presumably he's going to want some of this to do some delivery. So I thought it had to be an estate, it had to be a touring. You know, he needs a bit of room. And then I think what I decided to do was he's going to break what I call Cooper's rule. And he's going to go for as much dark glass as he possibly can. That Mr. is a King. rule. Yeah.
5: Well,
3: I think he's going to hide his own catering in the back. And he's going yeah. to try to hide himself. Yeah. In front, so I think he's going to go non standard tinted windows as about as dark as they can get. And then I like the parsimonious angle. Um, you know, he wants lots and lots of um mileage for his gallon of diesel. I've decided, and I found for 40,000 pounds, it's rather pretty oh, AMG yeah. C class touring 220. I think. It's quick, it's it's kind of nondescript, but if you look at it more closely, you see it's got something special about it, and I can get a lot of hors d'oeuvres into the bag. But at forty thousand pounds, forty thousand pounds, and this is another little homage to Mr. Cooper, it leaves you fifty thousand pounds to get. I think this thing is beautiful. It's the Caterham 420
4: RSV. Oh, we're very close on this one, Manishu
3: and me. Look at this. I mean, it's yellow with black leather. And I I actually love liquid yellow pearl. What a name. And um, 210 horsepower in a car like that is ample. And I think sub 100 miles an hour with your Momo steering wheel, your carbon fiber dash, I think you. I think you'd look good and feel better. So that's it's my two car garage and fifty thousand pounds. Yeah. So I'm three thousand over, but I think with Mister Lovett's sort of negotiating skill, I think I can get that murk down a bit. So I'm there for about ninety thousand pounds. d'oeuvres and hot yellow beast.
2: Um, Edward, I've spent a million dollars and I'm a drug dealer. That's moved. The LA okay. is that right?
1: But <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, so just to be clear, we had another another potential two car that Edward preferred. Uh and he might answer that one this week. Come
2: on. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. You you just do neither of them, Edward? Uh, no, no, I have I my my I, I did do one for the fifty year old. It's a bit boring and um now, I'm not going to do something too practical. So it, I, I'm going to go for an AMG, but I'm going to go for an E-class, still in the state so an E63 S, but D-badget and all that sort of jazz. What sort of mileage are you, you know, getting? Obviously, because he's trying to be, um, you know, he's spying, we're going to have to black out the back windows and the front windows so no one could see him through there, so... You, know, you make good points. I uh, get that. Yeah, good, good. So he's not a drug dealer, but he is an undercover catering spy. So, so hard to tell those two professions apart, deals. isn't it? Yeah.
1: Undercover catering spy. Neil Clifford, yeah. what would you? What's your preferred wheels
2: for the I, I, undercover catering
1: then, then. spy? I, oh, oh
2: you I've, I've got a sports guy. now. He. I've had a very busy day and I couldn't really start thinking about what he's going to work on. So, you know, he can spend the other bit of money on a 718 Boxster GTS. Yeah. That will that'll do him just right for the weekend. Good little pair of guards, that.
1: Thank you for sparing the time to think of those, Edward. It's great. Thanks. And uh,
2: and by the way, a Boxster is, you know, my mother had Boxsters uh, growing when I was growing up. And they were a very practical car for anyone that needed to do large shops because they had a, a, a frunk and a boot. Yep. Yeah.
5: I just yep. bought a Boxster.
2: Yeah. How old?
5: Uh, oh, God. Good bloody question. 2005, I think. Oh,
2: Ooh. an early one.
5: Yeah. 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 Yes. Good. With the yellow... Is that, uh,
2: that's not... Is it a 2.5? It's 3.2S. Oh, the,
5: little,
2: nice
1: lights, yeah. No, on, on that lapin. note, Neil Clifford, what's your two-car garage?
5: Right, a fifty-year-old entrepreneur running his own successful catering company—he's got to have a jag. It's got to be a Jaguar, isn't it? And he's going XJR, the V8. Everyone says the <laughs> six is better, but bollocks! You want yeah. a V, don't you? Yeah. You want that last one, whatever it was called—the portfolio, the yeah, one, right? The black xjr 2005 i think it was actually they were like 7995 weren't they about f- five years ago they're like 20 yeah. grand now but like is the king of the jaguar pretty car xjr 150 miles an hour you're telling everyone in your village that you are a successful dude and that's what a jaguar is all about and then the word spy says as we've discussed already aston martin he's got to have an Aston Martin
3: <laughs>
5: because you know, everyone wants that. If only Lawrence realized that you just got to be fucking James Bond. Anyone who buys an Aston Martin wants to be James Bond um, and you're, you've got 50 grand, I suppose, or something, or maybe 70 grand. You want the last in my view of the pretty Astin's really was the Vantage, not this one that's now been made a little bit less ugly with the front but the proper vantage s v12 manual manual yeah and, you know you can't really get a cab because they've all gone up there almost underground now but for a coupe v, yeah. v v12 s it's about 70 grand Um, lovely, last of the pretty Aston in my view, apart from the Victor and all that, that is a gorgeous car it's probably going to break down because it's not quite as good as a Ferrari or a Porsche, Uh, so you can fiddle around with it by ringing the AA and talk to Chris Harris on the side of the motorway on the M32 or wherever you were Mr Harris so um, Jaguar and Aston British, successful entrepreneur Baker Yeah,
1: the the worst cars on which to be uh, discreet to spy on people, yeah, yeah. you look like you're an extra from a Guy Ritchie movie, you might yeah. as well be walking around with a baseball bat, right? Yeah. You could imagine um,
3: him getting out to spy in his dinner suit, yes,
4: yeah. <laughs> yes. I, uh, uh Chris Cooper, so I had quite a bit of fun with this one. Um, so Finn and Cameron and I were talking about this earlier on. We, were, we got four, so um, uh, Mitchell, uh, choice for you and, and Mrs. Clelland. Um, the, the daily one, a G30 M5 2019. We yep. found one 26,000 miles for 44K. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, de-badge it. It yeah. had clear glass, which I, I know, even if I'm a spy, I kind of, you know. But it's got, it could look like, you know, de-badge, could look like a 520 diesel. Nice and, uh, but it would get them around a bit. I'd love to know more. In fact, Mitchell, could you next, on the comments next week's tell us a bit more about your predilection for spying and which sectors of the catering marketplace you think are giving you most interest espionage style um for the the bit Perfect, of fun ch- star,
3: ch- chicken tikka masala microwavable i think that is probably that's a, that
4: sector. sounds like a business opportunity uh c6 z06 corvette seven liters 2006 41 grand oh that was, in fact, actually, Cam found a, a black one, black wheels, black glass, and everything. I thought, do you know what? You could, people would hear and see you coming, but they wouldn't know who it is. Yep, yeah, They wouldn't know who it is. Um, we also had an Aston Martin Vantage Roaster 2014.
5: That's the ugly one, though, isn't it?
4: What, your, your uh, no, is... it's, no. The, uh, no it's, it's the one no, you were it's saying.
1: It's the one, one that was the, the one, vertical. Yeah. The, the your, to be clear, your budget is what, 600 grand or what? No,
4: no. <laughs> um, and the last one and Manish you, you and I were close to this one as well uh, we found an R500 K series catering oh I'd like one of those again um, and I think that would be up to 100 miles an hour Mrs Cleland because I, I think Mrs Cleland won't know that Mitchell is a catering espionage operative no I think she'll just be completely oblivious and Maybe. she'll wonder why he's got these nice cars, and she'll he'll come home in the evening, and it'll be ticking. The car will be ticking a lot, like it's had a really, really good thrash. And she'll think he loves his cars. He must go to some really interesting places to get the car so hot. She won't know it's because he's been doing spy stuff. Been a lot of he's been doing all the county lines. He's been
5: doing the no. county lines. County yeah,
1: yeah. Lines Catering Capers. <laughs> yes. Do, do you remember that film where Arnold Schwarzenegger was a spy and his wife didn't know that he was one? Was it yes, one true, lies. True, lies. True, true Lies. Or true or Lies. True Lies, yeah. yeah. Brilliant film. Okay. Right. Um, my my two-hook average has, uh, has just changed, actually, because of a message being sent to me by a friend of mine who uh, is very good at looking after Nissan GTRs. Um, so, he the, the everyday car... That he could, that's roadable, that he, that can be involved in uh, food espionage, uh, is, for me, very straightforward. It's a hot hatch that's the best I've driven on the road. It's very, very subtle looking, and it plays into the fact this guy's 50 years old, so he's one of my generation. He's the front-wheel drive generation, and it's the latest Civic Type R. If you get it in black with clear glass, it just looks like a normal hatchback, and on the I road... Think- on the road, it's about as good a road car as I've ever driven. Go and drive one. They are knockout. They're absolutely knockout. And he's bought that and he's mm-hmm. he's been all over the place, just spying on people, on catering vans, what people are doing in the food industry. And he's <laughs> not been caught, so it's served its purpose. And he goes home one night and he thinks, I've still got 45 grand left to buy a nice sports car. And I and I don't want anything that goes too fast. I want to get my fuels below 100 miles an hour. But he goes on to an auction website called Collecting Cars, and he's bidding, and he happens to be bidding tonight of all nights. And a car ends, and he get he's, he's about to end, and he's thinking this is an extraordinary price for this vehicle. This has just happened as we're recording. We've just sold a McLaren MP4-12C for forty-six grand, forty-six nine nine
5: nine. I was watching that,
1: and he's and he's as he's looking at that, he's bidding, and he's and he he hears his inner Neil Clifford voice goes fuck it, I don't care about going slower than 100. It's too good a car for that money. So he buys that. He's bought a 12C for a nugget under £47,000, which yeah. I think is remarkable. That's a, that's a steal. It's what a about steal. that one, Manish? That car looked like it had a story to it to me. <laughs> um, so um, that's what he's going to have. He's got an MP12, MP4 twelve, 12C, a full Ron Dennis named car for that. I mean, that's, that's M3 money. Outrageous.
5: Yeah, that's good.
1: Um, Right, let's do some music before we go because we're a long way into this one, boys. I'm going to start with music this week because there's one type of driving music experience we haven't discussed, and that is late at night, driving very, very fast to very slow-moving music can be a really, really pleasant exercise. Super high velocity sometimes on an autobahn listening to a soothing tune. So I'm imagining that I'm in... A Porsche 928 with that lovely dashboard glow, okay? Mm. But I'm doing a buck 50 legally down the Autobahn on my way back from work at Frankfurt where I've been making loads of money with my red braces on. But I've got Leonard Cohen's Suzanne playing because I just, that's a, it's a great tune. I love it. I, lo- I just love the lyrics. And I listened to it the other day going quite quick myself and I enjoyed the slow languid voice of that man and the very very fast moving car there you go uh ed would love it next
2: Um, i was listening to 90s music today and going on my uh spotify so i've gone uh sort of semi 90s club music which is the source you've got the love (laughs) cool yeah uh manish
3: I like your theme of driving late at night very, very quickly in a straight line to a piece of much more languid music. And I would direct you to Japan's album, Gentlemen Take Polaroids. And There's a track on that called Swing.
5: Good album, that. You will yeah.
3: love listening to Swing in the middle Davy of the Sylvian. night. Davey Sylvian. Yeah, beautiful voice. Very, very, very good piece of music. was the, the name, what's the name of the album? Sweet. Gentlemen Take Polaroids.
5: Okay. That's great. It's a good album. Uh, no Clifford. Well, we had um, we 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 haven't pre-recorded this, so the, the we we had some very sad news, didn't we, this evening that Steve Wright passed away. Yes. Oh. And you know, whatever you want to say about him, he was the voice of our 80s and 90s, wasn't he on radio? Yes. Yeah. So, so R.I.P. Steve Wright. Bit of a player, really. And I thought, what is the most Steve Wright loveliness of songs? And it's going to be a sort of lush '80s love song, isn't it? So I've chosen One More Night by Phil Collins. It, <laughs> you know, it's just it's it says everything to me about 1985 or whenever that was. It's just a lovely thing, and yeah, and Steve Wright was a dude. Yeah, uh, Bless uh, him. yeah,
1: R.I.P. I went to on. His he
3: started show. on my local radio station, Radio Two One O.
1: Did he? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did his show when I was uh, doing the television thing, and uh, he was really, really kind, lovely man.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, right, yeah. Uh, uh, Chris Cooper. So, I, funny, I'm kind of also on
4: the driving fast at night, something really soothing, and just driving down to Cornwall late at night, particularly in the summer, when you see that glow on the horizon, uh, Groove armada at the river. Ooh. it's just lovely good,
1: good shame uh, okay uh, before we end we received a, a lovely heartfelt message from a chap called Ed uh, telling us the reasons why he had enjoyed our podcast in the last year, uh, it's a private message but a message to you Ed uh, we appreciate your predicament, send you lots and lots of love and keep listening um, that's the end of episode 52 twas a long one uh, please join us again next week and uh, Manish Pandey, Edward Lovett, Chris Cooper, Neil Clifford, and myself. Thank you very much for listening.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.